Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and today we're talking about the second betas of iOS 17. macOS Sonoma is out. The Apple Vision Pro Vision OS SDK is out, and we've actually gone hands-on with that software in the simulator. We're going to talk about that, and I have some travels to discuss, and I have a big question from my good friend William, who's on the show today, but no no spoilers. I'm going to surprise him with that. This episode is brought to you by FastGrowingTrees.com. And uh, like I said, William, I waved at you as I flew over the UK last week. Did you see me? Well, it's like I said on Twitter, the authorities were on the line to me. Do you know this person? Can you vouch for him? And of course I said, no, I can't. Uh, so I'm surprised they let you through the airspace. But um, yes. I, I was kind of keen to ask you about your travels. Compare notes. I've been traveling. You're traveling. But um, this thing you're going to drop on me i have a feeling it's ted lasso 4 isn't no, it but you can no, build up to that no 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 okay. no i want to talk about ted lasso i'm going to ask you the question now i'll tease it here at the top of the show but i'm going to save it till the end i have a question okay. because you know with all these ios 17 updates apple is really just putting the juice in some of these apps you know really adding some features to notes and reminders and so my question to you william will be you can chew on it as we go like Tuesday, as you say over in the UK. Yes, we do. Yes. If you could only have one third-party app amongst the productivity sphere on your iPhone, I'm talking about reminders, mail, notes, calendars. I'll throw podcasts in there. If you had to use Apple's stock apps for all of those applications and only one third-party app for any of those uh, categories that I specified, which app and category would you choose to use a third-party app? I'm going to distinguish iPhone and Mac because I have a different answer for each platform. Okay, so you're going to give me time to work on this. I, I think I already know what your answer is going to be, but I'm going to give you time to well, think about it. Do you want me to wait before I say <laughs> No, wait, you did, no it. spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. All right, we, I'm, going to, I'm going to bleep that out. I'm going to do a sensor bleep <laughs> so our listeners don't know what you answered. And we're going to get to that okay. later. Later. We'll get to that later. But anyway... A quick five-star review shout-outs, and then we'll talk about my travels. Scablaw from the USA, Torino Man from the USA, Klaus Wagner from Denmark, which I think I flew over as well last week as I was coming back home, and D. Henry 99 from Panama. Very fun, some international listeners. Did you land anywhere, or was it just flying back I was and just forth? flying around. I was just, it was just a full full trip. Keeping the skies safe <laughs> I, in some no, no, no. way. I traveled, so last week I was traveling. A big thank you to Jason A10 and Wes last week for doing a great show. Mm. Heard uh, positive feedback from that, so thank you uh, for covering, guys. I was traveling to Tel Aviv. Actually, it was a work trip, and so I was uh, about 7,000 miles away from home. It was, it was a good trip. Good work trip. It's actually my fourth time uh, to that part of the world, and uh, I do really enjoy it over there. The culture had several, uh, like, pitas. They have they get great food over there. Some schnitzel. Had some schnitzel over there, so it's very good. But I have some travel stories, too, and about some Apple tech devices as well. Have you ever been to uh, Israel? No. Man, leaving uh, out of the Ben-Gurion airport there, you definitely get interrogated. You know, they ask you lots of questions. I had to name all the siblings of both of my parents as I was trying to leave. Yeah. They, wow. They, their security is very different. Like the U.S., we were scanning people with machines. They're over there, like, basically interrogating you, trying to, like, read your micro expressions, which I feel like William would fail. You would just be stuck there. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that question was going to go another way. We have a thing here in, in the UK called the Glasgow Coma Scale. It's when you're assessing how ill somebody is in an accent or whatever. Um, <laughs> and the first question used to be, who is the prime minister? And these oh. days, you know, like, good luck with that one. You would fumble uh, so around things are and they'd say, yes. get out of here. You're not going anywhere. You're not flying today. No, no, no. So it is a, uh, a lengthy flight. And uh, this is where much of my, my tech story uh, comes into play here. It's about a 11-hour flight there. 12 and a half hour flight back. So I had lots of time on the plane to watch things. And then I guess, guess what I binge watched, William, during most of that flight? Uh, well, on my flight, it was Schmigadoon and Shrinking. Uh, was it either of those? Say Schmigadoon. Say Schmigadoon. I just want to hear it in your accent. Yeah. Schmigadoon. No, I've, been, I've watched Schmigadoon yeah, here at home. But I, okay. there were, I had received so many mixed uh, feelings about Ted Lasso season three. I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm a person of the people. I, I want to, you know, be able to respond and speak to these things. And so I binged season three of Ted Lasso, the final season, maybe final season, on my flight out there. And um, William, I enjoyed it. 
butts. And I understand. I, I still say season one was still the best of the Ted Lasso seasons, but I still enjoyed season three. Many episodes I was crying, just like just crying in my airplane seat, like not having a, a napkin or tissue and wondering if anyone's staring at me, wondering why I'm crying at this soccer game. But that's what I did. But there's one thing I don't understand, Inspector. Uh, I thought you were quite a rabid fan of Ted Lasso. Why did you wait until now, when the season is over, to binge? Why weren't you there every minute? I've, I would Very... thought about it, and then I heard, you know, mixed reviews, people saying this is not a good season, it's kind of meh, but then other people would email, would email me. People emailed me saying, listen, don't listen to the naysayers, watch it anyway. I really enjoyed it. So I, I have to say, I understand why some people didn't enjoy it. I still think season one is the best, but I, I did enjoy many parts of it. And uh, I think they wrapped it up quite nicely. Although uh, Coach Beard, the, the actor who plays Coach Beard, apparently Tim Cook came on set while they were filming season three. And Tim Cook said, thank you all for your hard work. I hope there's a season four, which I don't know if Tim Cook realizes he's the CEO of Apple. I mean, if he really wants a season four, I feel like he could make it happen. But yeah, even he wants a season four. No. Yes, I think he's noticed his day job, but uh, <laughs> no, I've heard of CEOs cancelling shows they didn't like right. for no other reason, right, but right. making one, making one happen. Yeah, I mean, if I was the Ted Lasso team, I would hold out for a, double the budget, please, something like. Oh, that. there you go. Yeah, <laughs> use a negotiating tactic. Now that's right. You had a long. How long was your flight? Well, I beat you on the way out. It was thirteen and a half hours flying out. Oh, it's about yeah. nine coming back. And the weird thing is, I actually enjoyed the thirteen hours. Um, I I did download Shrinkadoon and Shrinking, and when I opened my iPad, um, I'd read Mission Impossible Fallout was on there. I must have just. I remember years ago thinking, "How do you download things?" And obviously, that's what I picked, and there it was. You figured it out. And I had a very good time. Uh, AirPods Pro, noise cancelling hair. Everybody around me watching these muddy little screens over these tiny little earpiece wired things. I'm not convinced they work at all. Right. But yes. Now wait a minute. Now you were flying with your spouse, right? Yes. So did she? Was they watching? She watching something different, and you were watching? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Also, the way the timings of it, we did both try to sleep quite a lot uh for it so uh, she didn't like the flight out um and i did but on the way back for some reason and who knows why it was much more uncomfortable and i just couldn't seem to settle to anything to read or watch at all so he just kept waiting for those little tiny snacks to come around that's interesting because i mean you're flying uh first class right i mean you're you're up there laying down so uh frankly i'm i'm right there in the cockpit that's where where i am <laughs> you're yeah. right in the jump seat mm, that's the phrase thank you yes yeah the jump yeah 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 now I'm, I'm curious what you said ipad this is this is the key piece of information here what ipad were you watching schmigadoon on on that plane uh 11 inch ipad pro from yeah not last year the year before what case did you have it in to watch Oh, I brought the uh, magic keyboard uh, around it. No other case. Okay, and that that fit on the tray table, all right? Like it was all copacetic. Yeah, actually, no problems. Okay, okay. at all. Did you have difficulty with yours? Well, here's the deal. I have the twelve point nine inch iPad with magic keyboard, and on a flight previously to Las Vegas several months ago, I had my big iPad, and that thing on a tray table, at least in economy on Frontier Airlines was not conducive to watching anything like it it had to like it wasn't uh deep enough for the magic keyboard to kind of lay properly and then like to bend the iPad back far enough to have a good viewing angle so it was not conducive it's it's too big of an iPad for an airplane tray table and so on this trip I brought my iPad mini oh. which was actually a wonderful device fits on the tray table even if they serve a little meal on the flight and you put the little meal on one side of the tray table and you put your iPad on the other, it actually all still fits pretty well. Still a big enough screen, good quality screen, and uh, I enjoyed it. So I I watched everything on the iPad mini and it was actually pretty nice. How did you prop up the iPad mini? I just had it in this little like, uh, you know, triangle prop up mode and just on the tray table. And I was just watching, I was looking down, you know, I would have liked it higher. And I've seen people like Mm. Jerry rig the cases to kind of like slot into something on the seat so it's kind of hanging mm. precariously i didn't do any of that i just no. i just had, I just had no. it on the tray table but uh it was great now the on the one of the flights i was watching a lot of stuff 
And that battery did not last the whole flight. I actually had to to plug it in. But my, my plane had a plug, so, you know, no worries. Now, also, you said AirPods Pro. Were you watching for many, many hours with AirPods Pro on that flight? Uh, well, I certainly went. Mission Impossible was about it was longer than two hours, and it was a straight run through that. The odd half hour of other things, possibly about four hours. Listening. I didn't stop because the batteries were gone. I just yeah, yeah. stopped because I don't. So uh, I was just thinking that when you said about charging it, the iPad, the headphones, I didn't actually think about battery life oh, yeah. uh, on the way out. So that's, that's good. I did bring both my AirPods Pro and AirPods Max. And I will say I did prefer the AirPods Max for long viewing times. It was slightly more comfortable. But then after like hour seven, the AirPods Max do like, it, you feel it kind of like pushing your head. <laughs> like you, you feel the, the that metal bar like kind of squeezing you a little bit. And so after seven or eight hours, I had to switch. Then I switched the AirPods Pro and then back. But But both are very good options. You know, I think it's really just whatever you find comfortable. But yeah. It makes for a much better experience if you can have your, your noise-canceling either AirPods Pro or AirPods Max, bring your own iPad, BYOI. I was gonna, I thought it was going to be BYO. I should say, on the way, on the flight back, the screens that things were sharing on, uh, the airport, the aircraft screens were amazingly better than the ones on the way out, but they still provided those incredibly useless plastic headphones. So <laughs> all that money spent on the screens. Well... And now, if, if our listeners are not aware of this, and maybe yourself, there is a piece of tech called the AirFly from 12south.com. I'll put a link in the show notes. And it's this tiny little adapter that has a headphone jack and then a, like a dongle. And it is basically a Bluetooth transmitter. And you can plug this into like the AirFly entertainment system with the screen, pair your AirPods to this AirFly, and then use your AirPods with the in-flight entertainment system, and you're good to go. Excellent. Oh, I'll have one of those. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It is, it is a very cool accessory. I have actually seen, um, I think it was Nicholas Molina, who's a YouTuber. He was on a flight, I think it was a United flight, where they have actually enabled Bluetooth in the in-flight entertainment system. <laughs> so you could actually just straight up pair your AirPods Pro to the screen that's built into the seat, which is like the ideal solution like that is perfect yeah my delta flight did not have that <laughs> there was no bluetooth built in but this airfly thing is is the solution if you're wanting to use your airpods pro with the in-flight system and not use those terrible wired headphones that they hand out this is the answer oh, i wish i'd talked to you before but okay <laughs> <laughs> for next time for your next uh your world traveling uh now you might have had to, well you were on a cruise so may maybe not did you have to think about like charging adapters or port adapters as you were traveling? Uh, certainly uh, mains adapters. I bought a thing called a One World adapter, which is a really nice little unit that has push buttons on the side that kind of sticks out the prongs you need. Um, it's very good, but there were kind of two issues for me. One is, I didn't know this, uh, Japan actually uses two different formats. And one of them is incredibly common, and that's the one the uh, One World adapter fits. But of course, it wasn't the one anywhere i went um <laughs> not for it was on the cruise ship that went on a viking cruise ship right. but one of the good things about that adapter is as well as letting you plug in mains it had uh one usb c socket and i think three usb a ones yeah. but they were on the bottom and you could barely fit the bulk of this thing into the wall and there was certainly no room underneath for cables so in the end i went out to a 7-eleven somewhere in uh hokkaido and uh bought a tiny oh, little wow. adapter Oh, wow. You know, I've, I've had those in the past, those like travel adapters and they're nice. This time I opted for like switching out the plugs, which I have like Apple's world travel kit, which is, it's not too expensive. I think it's like $30 and they give you all the little plugs that can then slot into your Apple chargers that you have, you know, and, and that works. So I brought that adapter with me and then also the anchor Anchor has a GAN charger with two USB-C ports, which is kind of ideal. That's almost all I needed most of the time. And Anchor gives you several different country adapters and is a much more compact uh, deal uh, than even Apple's. And it's a really nice sliding mechanism. It works just like Apple's, but it's, you know, it's from Anchor and it's a GAN charger and it's really nice. So I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes to that and also to what I think 
You said a one-world charger? One world, yeah. Do you have any idea how long I spent researching this and it never occurred to me to look at Apple? Because if it had occurred to me, I'd have thought it would be too expensive. I didn't once look at Apple and I should have gone for exactly that. Don't bother linking it in the show. Let's go for Anchor and Apple. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty. I think it's like $30, <laughs> I think. And uh, yeah, I'll put it I'll put in thing. And they really include like every, I think, possible adapter you would need in this one little box and it just plugs on the adapters that you already have pretty nice what did we talk about before i went away on holiday we didn't cover any of this the things <laughs> i'm learning we really today. Needed, we, we needed to cover this before oh man sorry well anyway uh i'll put apple's thing in there i'll put anchors in there and uh the last thing i wanted to talk about so or two things you said your world clock was like messed up as you were traveling right Yes. So and like it would Yours wasn't? I mean mine was fine. I was only in one time zone and I don't know if that, you know, I you know, I traveled, I landed. I was using my AT&T like international day pass, which is like a $10 a day thing. And but the clock and time zone everything was fine. So I don't I don't know. Well, I think cuz you were in an actual time zone. In my case it went particularly wrong when we were on board ship and yeah. the ship time kept changing. Every day for 6 days it was uh, advance the clocks for an hour and things. So, uh, there were a couple of times when you could have figured out what time zone that was, but other times not so much. Um and that's where it let me down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, no, my my clock was fine. Uh, but the other thing is maps, which you know, I did a video on Apple Maps versus Google Maps a while ago, and everybody was like, well, you can't use Apple Maps outside the U.S. because it's garbage. And I was like, well, okay, well. Really? Well, I was in Tel Aviv for a week, and I didn't touch Google Maps. I used only Apple Maps. I will say some of the businesses are still not listed in Apple Maps, so if you wanted to search for, like, this particular Sabiq place, like, you can't find it in Apple Maps. But as far as navigation, walking navigation, and car navigation, Apple Maps was great. I did walking navigation several times, and my Apple Watch Ultra, I would just glance down, see where I was supposed to walk. Worked great. I was down with uh, Apple Maps over there, at least in, in Tel Aviv. And again, every city, every country is going to be different. But uh, my experience was uh, pretty good. Do you recall your, your maps? I prefer Apple Maps to Google Maps. I find Google Maps design just silly sometimes. There was one point where Apple Maps, a long, many years ago, Apple Maps did go wrong. It let me down. I couldn't get me to a place. And I had a frustration. I downloaded Google Maps, went to it. And I'm looking at it. And I said, I've said where I want to go. Where is just the button that says, all right, then go. It took me so long to find that. Yeah. And then I don't know where I was going to, Brigadoon or something. Google Maps couldn't get me there either. So I figured at least go for the one I can understand to miss room and i don't think i've ever gone back to google maps i find apple maps uh with one exception um excellent and the one exception is just mildly amusing um i don't think uh, apple maps engineers understand how roads work here in the uk uh i presume that this can't happen in the states but here if you're on a motorway like our version of a freeway you will quite often go over uh regular streets that are kind of cutting underneath it under bridges and things here you'll be saying 70 miles an hour 70 miles an hour and then suddenly it will say no it's 30 miles an hour you're over the speed limit you must slow down all that nagging voice and it's because the road you just went over is 30 not the route you're on and that's quite a common bug mm, here um okay. i haven't tried it in google maps to see if they've got that wrong as well am i right that it's just the state's roads are different and no motorway ever goes over a street <laughs> i mean it, it you get the awkward stuff especially in like very local like city areas with you know one-way streets and like parking lots that are behind buildings so it it is odd, and Apple Maps doesn't get it like a hundred percent of the time. So yeah, I yeah, right. you know I'll admit it. It's not perfect. I think Google Maps is a little better at some of those granular details, even here in the states. But I just like Apple Maps so much better. So. Same here. I just I've got to say I do. I, I maybe I'm sure Google does as well, but I do particularly enjoy that share ETA uh, yes. feature in Apple Maps. Very useful. That is nice. All right, we should talk about some iOS stuff because iOS 17 and all the 17s and macOS Sonoma yes. beta 2s came out just yesterday uh, as we record, came out Wednesday. And I did mention this, I think, on the last episode I was on, but Apple has now changed who can download the developer betas where you had to pay the $99 fee to become like a developer like for the year just to download the developer beta software. That is actually no longer the case. You can register as a developer and get access to the developer betas without paying the annual fee. 
I think you don't get Xcode and other things like that when you're not when you don't pay for it. But if you really wanted to, you can get the developer beta, not have to pay that annual fee and and do it. Now, I'm not saying I recommend it. I'm not saying you should put it on your main devices, although lots of people on Twitter are still doing it. Uh, but you can do it, and you don't have to pay $99 a month so or a year. So there you go. So are you one of the people on Twitter who's put it on your main devices? No, 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 no. I have it on... I do have it on my big iPad, my M2 iPad Pro. I put the beta on that, but it's actually because I've been editing my podcast on my iPad mini and I'm leaving that on 16.5. So I have it on my big iPad and I have it on a secondary iPhone that is not my main device. And so I'm testing it on that. But I was close to doing the macOS Sonoma beta when beta two came out, at least on my laptop, not my Mac studio. I'm not going to put it on there. But uh, I don't know, what has been your experience? Did you do beta 2, the update? Uh, not yet. I'm just leaving a couple of days in case anything major is <laughs> sure. it's uh, a problem there. But I am. Um, I have beta, 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 you're confusing me there. <laughs> Test 1 is on my Mac Mini in my office because I was writing about it. And actually, just a couple of days ago, I was writing something that needed iOS 17 as well. So I went for it. I put it on my, my only iPhone. And so far, that's been actually rather good so i've done that for a specific reason uh when i feel comfortable i will go up to the next beaters but uh, i have hit the odd problem final draft doesn't work on mac os so final draft version 12 doesn't work on mac os sonoma at the moment there's like a weird display thing with it but uh, i'm sure that'll be fixed in time for me to write my next major motion picture (laughs) (laughs) i'm not done sonoma just yet i don't know i think i might public beta i might put it on my my 14 inch macbook pro but one of the features that I've actually really enjoyed and has now changed how I take pictures with my iPhone is the live photos wallpaper on your lock screen animation. So with iOS 17, this is both on iPad and iPhone. I've tested it on both. You can take a live photo, set it as your lock screen wallpaper, and when you unlock your device, it will actually show the live photo animation for a few seconds and then land on the uh, static image and just show you the static wallpaper. It actually looks really nice. I enjoy it very much. And up until this point, I'm curious your habit, what it's been. I was not taking live photos. Like I just had live photos turned off and never took them. I would only take regular photos, not live photos. But now that I can actually use the live photos for these lock screen animation things, and they actually look really nice. I've now changed my habit and I've now enabled live photos and I'm a, I'm a live photo kind of guy. That's what I You've do. Joined what us. What do you do? Joined us. Ah, okay. Always take live photos. I just really like. I mean, most of the time you don't even think about it. You don't care. But every now and again, it is just that little piece of magic, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's worth it. Going through uh, a couple of thousand photographs from a trip away. There's some just gorgeous ones, and they are made that extra bit special by that snatch of audio from the moment. That tiny bit of motion. By the side, you know, it's yes, live photos all the way. For some reason, I wasn't sure if it affected like the full quality of the image, like that you actually save, but I guess it doesn't, right? Like it still saves. I think it just takes up more room, uh, really. Oh, and no. I'm I don't mind that. generally okay with that. So. Yeah, that's oh, that's totally fine. But the I know some people were when I tweeted about this, some people were like, yeah, but the animation of those live photos is like terrible quality, and it's like, well. I'm not looking for like 4K pristine video from a live photo. You know, I'm just, you know, just you get that little bit of animation. But the the main photo I'm just looking now, like it's still all the same quality as if you had live photo turned off. You don't lose anything from the actual photo. You just get a, a few seconds of animation. Yeah. And it's, it's actually a good, like a solid three seconds. It's a good amount of animation there. It's brilliant. Love it. I didn't realize anybody didn't uh, use it to excess. So I'm, I'm glad you're, you're, you know, you're, I'm doing it you've now. copped onto yourself, as we would say. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I just never, I never saw much benefit before. Again, if I hadn't been taking live photos, I guess I wouldn't have seen the benefit either way. Uh, but uh, some people like posted on Twitter, you know, when you take pictures of family members and friends and stuff, like actually having those few seconds of animation is kind of nice to look back on and experience those moments in a more live quote-unquote way and so i'm a live photo guy now i'm doing live photos excellent that's live photos Uh, not many big changes in beta 2 just yet but this is across all the devices but so in mac os sonoma which beta 2 is out 
I've been looking more into the password sharing feature, which is something we asked for. Very glad it's here. You can choose trusted contacts and share certain passwords. You can create several groups. So if you want to have like a group of passwords that you share with, you know, you and your partner, and then another group of passwords you share with you, your partner, and your kids, you can create those different groups. But there's a key feature. I'm curious if you feel the same way as, as I do, but in one password and other password apps, you have the ability to see the password history, basically all the previous passwords that you had used for that login. And iCloud Keychain still does not have that. Once you change the password in the iCloud Keychain in the settings app, basically either system settings on Mac or the settings app on your iPhone or iPad, like the old password is gone. Like there is no record of it. There's not a history to look back on. And I understand most often if you're changing your password to a website, you would never need that old password because you know, you've just changed it. So the old one doesn't work anymore. But I still, I feel like there's sometimes those situations where you go to reset a password and you need to generate a new one. And in order to do that with iCloud Keychain, you have to wipe out the old one to generate the new one. If you go to do that and you have to put your current password in, in one of those password reset fields, and you put your new password in twice, if something happens where it glitches out or it doesn't accept it or didn't reset your password properly, and then for some reason, like the new password hasn't been set and it needs your old password. I don't know. I feel like that's a, I don't want to be in that situation. I, I wish, and I hope maybe in a future update that they add password history to those entries. Is that important to you? You don't find that if a password update goes wrong, you just have to schlep through the, uh, the emailing you a code kind of thing. That's what I seem to get most often. Yeah. I mean, usually when you do forgot password, you get emailed something, but I'm, I don't know. I'm just, uh, yeah, it's probably fine. It would probably be fine, but I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a little sensitive about passwords. I can't tell you. I seem to have accrued a lot of passwords in one password for the same things. Um, yeah, that is true. I was about to say what they were then, possibly not a good <laughs> yeah, idea. Uh, financial things. Yeah, Let's leave yeah, it at yeah, that. Yeah, Wells yeah, Fargo. Yeah. yeah. Um, and sometimes it. there are certain services I use where I use for myself, uh, for the Writers Guild, for all sorts of places. So it's the same service, different accounts, and somewhere along the line things get mangled up and I seem to have duplicates of entries. And I like the way one password tells you when one was created and when it was last used and that's narrowed it down to which in the world is the right one i need mean, that yeah, i like that and yeah, yeah, i'm yeah. sure that's not in icloud yeah so i'm i'm really i'm doing this the terrible practice probably but i'm in, i'm in a stage now where if i need to create a new login i will just do it with icloud keychain and i won't take the time to also add it to one password kind of thinking yeah. maybe that's slowly transitioning me to icloud keychain I feel like this might come back mm -hmm. to bite me at some point. I'm not sure, but that's just been my practice. And I will say, I, I told this story a few episodes ago, but I wiped my 14-inch MacBook Pro because I couldn't figure out the iCloud drive storage thing and it was like no room left. So I just, <laughs> forgotten I just, that. Sorry, I just yes. wiped it. Just totally wiped it. And I've been trying to live the life of only installing the third-party applications that I really need. And I did not install 1Password. In that, oh, is that where this whole question about which one would do, is that where that came from? Uh, it is. This, a, it is an impetus uh, because I okay. I am doing an experiment on myself where I myself am the guinea pig, and I'm seeing can I live without it? And on my 14 inch MacBook Pro, most of the time it's fine, especially if you're in Safari. The annoying part is if you need to do something in Brave mm. or Chrome, like recording a podcast with Riverside, like we're doing right now. You know, I, Brave, there's no extension to use your iCloud keychain passwords in a third-party browser. There is on Windows, strangely. You can get an extension for Chrome when you're on a Windows PC that actually has your iCloud keychain, but they don't have that extension available on Mac. Makes no sense to me. I don't know why. But anyway, so when you use a third-party browser, it's annoying because you have to go to the system settings, copy and paste the password, and then put it in. And also, I, I there's the other part of not having quick access in the menu bar to your passwords that is a little enough of annoyance to not make me jump ship just yet. Like the little one password icon that sits in the menu bar where you can just click it, type to search for a login and boom, it's right there. Copy, paste, and oh, you're good to go. I, I never use that. Um, I use Alfred. No, um, yeah. Um, Alfred, the spotlight replacement or yeah, yeah, yeah. adjunct. 
uh, tap the buttons for that. If I type the digit one and a P and then a space and start typing whatever it is I want the password to be, it goes into one password, finds it, and oh. does it for me. So that's pretty slick because built-in Spotlight does not do that because I just tried it. No. <laughs> you, no you can you can open the One Password app, but it doesn't search inside One Password. That's interesting. I would do it through Spotlight like that too. I mean, if I could do it in Spotlight from iCloud Keychain, I would do that, but I don't see that happening mm. either. So. Anyway, I should say I can't remember if that's a, a straight out of the box Alfred function or a, a work um, what's the workflow that somebody who uses Alfred has created. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have I've, I seem to have different versions of one password on different machines. So I haven't got around to updating all of it, and somewhere it doesn't work because of that. So I don't remember what the status is now, but most of the time, uh, the few passwords I use a lot, that's the way I go into them. Okay, well. So there's that, but I'm also excited about widgets on the, what is it, the desktop. Have you yeah. been using those? Yeah, over and over, actually. I keep writing about different bits, so I have to clear out the ones I've got and try a new one. Uh, the reason I've remembered now, I've forgotten why did I need the iPhone. It was because I wanted to check out this thing that you can have a widget on your Mac without having the app, as long as that app is actually on your iPhone. Um, and has it's very slick. It's just not an awful lot of use because mm. when you do it at the moment, most widgets go, go to your iPhone to carry on using this <laughs> oh, no. or something. And for some things, I don't think that's actually going to change even when we get out of the beta process. Uh, Audible, for example, mm. um, I don't see them putting the full engine in the widget. So let's see. But it worked very slickly, smoothly. And at the moment, I have no widgets on the desktop because I've got to, to go back through and decide which ones I want for me. Now, can but, can you? Yeah, good. Are you on the Mac that's running Sonoma right now? No, no, uh, it's behind me. Okay, well, uh, <laughs> sorry, that's very panto, like no, no, isn't it? It's behind me. I'm okay. I'm curious yeah. if can because you, you you when you set up widgets on the desktop in macOS Sonoma, can you have multiple yeah. like desktops with different widgets? No, it's always the same. It is always uh, the same. Okay, yes. Well, actually, that's so. Sorry, I've got a question for you. You mentioned about uh, password sharing in groups. Yeah, I, I didn't think to do multiple groups. I just tried out one group. And it looked to me like you could put your password in there. And then if you wanted to take it out again, you moved it out of that group and into your own setting. And I'm wondering now, uh, if you have multiple groups, can you only put the same password in one of them at a time? Do you have to start duplicating things? Um, it surely can't be, but... Oh. The mechanics of it so far suggest it is. That's a good question. I have not messed. I have not messed around that much with multiple groups. I'll have to report back and see. I'm also, again, being a beta software, messing around with passwords and iCloud keychains, got me a little, uh, you know, I don't know about that. But what I was going to say, I hope in a future macOS, you can have multiple desktops that act as multiple home screens, like on iPhone, where you can have like a certain widget set up or one desktop and then another desktop that maybe you can hide or show. And then just like on iPhone and iPad, tie that to a focus mode. Uh, this way, when a focus yeah. mode enables, which automatically enables on all your devices at the same time, your Mac desktop can actually change to a different widget configuration that you've set up, maybe even a different wallpaper because you're filming or because you're recording something or you're doing a screen grab for a tutorial and have that all change in a focus mode. That'd be pretty sweet. I don't think Apple talks about spaces much because I don't think... No, they don't. I don't think many people get spaces. Once you've used it once, you understand. But even just trying to explain to somebody who hasn't, it's another desktop and things. Either you just you can't visualize it or you think, what's the point? So it's a really, really good feature that I think is underutilized. And I'm not sure that Apple trying to convince people to use multiple home screens. The focus mode thing might do it, though, if it automatically switches... So like when you go full screen in Safari or something, you're actually creating a new space uh, for it. And you don't need to know why you're doing it. It just happens. Mate, yes, you could be right there. It is the future. Space, the next step. Yeah, okay. <laughs> space. I don't know. I, I think it would be nice. I do think in the past when I've tried to explain spaces to people, especially like with a trackpad, I'm like, just swipe with four fingers on your trackpad. Like you've already lost people. And you're like, and it can yeah. go to another space and you can have like a whole other set of windows over there to keep things organized. And they're like, how do I get back? Yeah. What's happening? Who are you? I do have a problem actually with spaces at the moment. And maybe you know the answer. Can I bend your ear for oh. a second? Oh, please. Okay. please. Uh, previously, 
uh, it used to be, I used Pixelmator Pro and I will end up with a different window in every single space. At some point, I found the control to say no, just whenever I want a new Pixelmator Pro window, go to the same space. Mm -hmm. And I did that and life was happy for months. But right now, I end up with four spaces, five different Pixelmator Pro windows, and I cannot find the button again to say sort yourself out. I just can't. Oh, I don't know that button, but why aren't you using tabs in Pixelmator Pro? Oh, interesting. Because uh, sometimes uh, I do use tabs, but there's certain things. I have a certain template I use a lot, mm. and I will do a lot of video, excuse me, a lot of image work and something else. It'll be in the same tab, and I need to pull that tab away and then drag oh, everything yeah, on top yeah. of the template. And at some point, and who knows why, it ends up going onto another space, and I get, I get sad, that frankly. Have you tried to drag, if you have everything in tabs, dragging whatever you need to drag up onto the yeah. tab that you need to go to uh yes and sometimes it seems to magically work and then other times yeah, it doesn't most of the time when i'm trying that it's because I, I i realize i've got to move spaces and i drag it into the other space and on that other space there's pixelmator pro with tabs and the tab i want is not the highlighted one so i try to drag click and sometimes it goes yeah whatever here it is oh, yeah. you're right and other times it goes make your mind up william drag or click mm. drag or click it's not hard yeah but it is yeah yes. whatever Okay. <laughs> just uh, on a side note talking about like hotkeys and shortcuts uh, listen i don't want anybody at me about this that i should have known about this for decades or whatever i prefer when i'm looking at finder windows the column view i prefer column view i like seeing the hierarchy in columns that's that's just my preferred view is it what is your preferred view in finder list see list view. i know a lot of people like lists i feel like I don't know. It gets too ungainly very quickly because I nest a lot of folders in a lot of folders. You know what I mean? Yeah, when you've got a lot of dis uh, disclosure triangles open and layers of that. Yes. But usually I'm only going one level deep oh, at a no, time. No. Or or I do a lot of things through default folder X when I'm in the open or save dialog box. And it lets me drill down through things without fully opening and stuff. So I don't spend a lot of time in the finder well. in order to have that problem. I like I like my hierarchy. I like my organization, and I'm like Inception times ten. I mean, I'm I'm going all the way down, very very many folders. But anyway, sometimes Finder likes to do its own thing and show me like icon view for absolutely no yes. reason. I I, yes, I've had that. Why? <laughs> I never yes. ever ever want icon view. Oh, I do sometimes. Um, sometimes I'll switch to icon view and whack up the size so they get a really yeah, big like icon for images of it or whatever. if I need the image. Yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. for actual use, yeah, never, never, not at like, once. I've, no. I never leave a view in icon view, so it's not like returning no. it should be triggering it. I don't, I don't know why. <laughs> like, I can't stand it. But anyway, I didn't realize the keyboard shortcut to switch between icon list and column view, which is just command one, two, and three. Oh, do you know about control one, two, and whatever, switching between spaces? Oh, you're going to blow my mind right uh, now. Has to be enabled, I think, somewhere in settings, but once you have. Uh, Wait, so what is it? I, I use that. What does it do? Uh, control uh, two goes to your whatever your second space along oh. is. But I'm I reasonably sure I remember having to turn that on uh, somewhere. It's just it was long, long ago, so before the current system settings, we were in somewhere doubtlessly hidden deep okay. within system preferences and of course i've got to look now haven't well i just I, I, I'm, I just tried button. a bunch of different control and numbers and it said do you want to enable dictation i said no i don't know what's happening over here but uh anyway command one two three you can switch between icon list and column view which is the correct view in finder whenever you want so there's that this episode is brought to you by fast growing trees Breathe some life into your own backyard with FastGrowingTrees.com this spring. From shade to fresh fruit to privacy and natural beauty, let FastGrowingTrees.com help you plant your dream garden with their expert advice and fast, reliable shipping. Guys, I don't really have a green thumb. I have the opposite of that. Whatever it is that can't keep plants alive around the house or in the yard, and I struggle to know what to buy if I want to actually beautify maybe my patio or get a plant that actually grows some fruit so we can have fun with the kids and actually pick fruit off our tree. So that's why when I went to fastgrowingtrees.com, it made it easy to know what trees and plants and shrub actually thrive in our environment of, and let's be honest, Florida is not easy on plants with hurricanes and heat and humidity, but Fast Growing Trees told me exactly what will thrive in my yard or on my patio. And one of the worst parts about buying trees and plants and shrubs is going to the hardware store 
finding it, putting it in your car or your truck and the dirt gets everywhere. It's a mess. Don't do that anymore. You don't have to wait in any lines. You don't even have to leave your house. You just order from fastgrowingtrees.com and your order arrives to your door, packaged beautifully, keeping your plants safe. And then you can just put it in your yard. We actually did some shopping on fastgrowingtrees.com, me, the kids, and the wife, and we were looking at different shrubs and trees to get, and we got a peanut butter fruit tree, and it's almost ready to pick and eat. It's very exciting. It's been in our backyard growing, and now we're actually going to get to eat this peanut butter fruit. I'm very curious what it tastes like because I love peanut butter, and this supposedly is going to taste like it. And with Fast Growing Trees 30-Day Alive and Thrive Guarantee, you know everything will look great fresh out of the box. So join over 1.5 million Happy Fast Growing Trees customers. Go to fastgrowingtrees.com slash appleinsider now to get 15% off your entire order. Get 15% off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash appleinsider. Our thanks to Fast Growing Trees for sponsoring this episode. Uh, when you talk about Apple Vision Pro SDK, which is now out, the developers can actually play around with the Vision OS simulator and you can use Vision OS at least on your Mac, you know, and experiment with it, try it out. A lot of what we have seen from WWDC is what we were seeing in kind of some of these demos. Although Andrew O'Hara, our own on Apple Insider, has a great breakdown and video using Vision OS in the simulator. He even shows off things like Control Center, which there's a Control Center for Vision OS and Apple Vision Pro headset. And so that's interesting. Uncovered guest user mode. So if you do want to be able to, you know, hand your Apple Vision Pro to someone to give them a oh. little test drive of Apple Vision Pro, you can do that. Guest user mode is a thing. So we have screenshots of that. You can see the virtual keyboard up there and windows and stuff like that. So, you know, pretty cool that people are playing around with it. I've seen third-party apps like Flighty, which is excellent, excellent third-party app. I use that on my trip. Yeah. Did you use it on yours? Same here. Yes, I used it on mine. Yeah, yes. so good. It's so good. Uh, Flighty was like playing around with it and they tweeted an image. They were like, oh, this looks pretty cool. You know, look at your passport, uh, all the places you've flown in uh, Apple VR. So, oh, sorry, not Apple Spatial Computing or Vision OS. I don't even know. The, the Apple doesn't say, <laughs> they don't say VR or AR. It's space, spatial computing. Spatial computing. No. So anyway, uh, but it's pretty cool. You can look at that hands-on. A couple of things I thought was interesting. Uh, obviously, we have guest mode. Control Center is hilarious. But <laughs> in some of the apps that you can access in Apple Vision Pro. This makes total sense, but apps like books and shortcuts are there. And so, I mean, I get it. I guess if you wanted to read a book in, you know, AR, VR, mixed reality or whatever, like you should be able to do it. But I also just like imagine someone blowing up a book to like a 200 foot wide thing, <laughs> just, just a huge just page or whatever. And so, uh, I don't know. I, I think that's kind of hilarious, but apparently you'll be able to read your Apple books in VR. I guess if you want to be on Mount Hood or whatever, or on the beach, you can do that. I don't know. My mind's gone to the what shortcuts you would run. Well, that, that is, was even more curious to me is not only what shortcuts would you run, but I cannot imagine the tedious nature of building a shortcut in Apple Vision Pro with your eyeballs trying to like look at a shortcut step and your finger pinching it to drag it, and then your eyes trying to move it over. Like, this process is already yeah. incredibly tedious on Mac, and, I, like, it's already tedious on every platform you can make a shortcut. You try to drag it in between two steps, and then they all move around and jump around. <laughs> like, I would, I will love seeing someone build a shortcut mm. in, in VR. That's it. That is a case where it's got to be compatible with external keyboards and trackpads right. because right. that virtual nobody is going to write an eighty thousand word novel by wiggling their fingers in midair <laughs> on that one. So there's no. But no. if you are the first, you'll probably get a million views on YouTube. I'm just saying. <laughs> yes, that's I'm true. just saying the first person to do it is going to get the exposure. Right. So you know, the first one to read War and Peace in Apple VR, I guess you could uh, do it now. No, I just had a, I just had an idea, William. Im uh, imagine if you could read a book in the Apple Vision Pro VR, but then you turn that little dial, the the digital crown, and you envelop yourself in a VR environment that is the book's environment. So like you're reading a western and you turn the dial and then all of a sudden you're like just there sitting at the saloon reading this western novel. I mean that might be kind of cool. Anyway, um, so <laughs> <laughs> I thought so. I just, I just want somebody to make the Minority Report app. 
Just let me solve crimes like Tom Cruise waving his hands around. I was thinking that sounds like The oh, Matrix, but I never managed to get more than 20 minutes through The Matrix. So I'm not 100% sure about that. Wait up, <laughs> William. Ted Lasso was already a point of contention enough on this show. Are you telling me you never finished watching The Matrix? The Matrix looks incredible, and that's just not enough for me. Uh, the whole thing of, whoa, the world isn't ready. It's a, such a simple, ancient idea that I was not overwhelmed by it. And I remember the dialogue oh, just irritated me so much. Uh, after 10 minutes, <laughs> I muted The Matrix, and I carried on watching how gorgeous everything looks. And then I realized I was thinking about my shopping list. So, no, I stopped it there. <laughs> I can't believe this, William. Did you read the script? Uh, not for that one. The... No, no. Incidentally, a couple of uh, Ted Lasso uh, scripts are out uh, from the second season, and I, I might get around to reading those, but, uh, you know, not William, rushing. I don't even know. I don't even know. Although, I did just read the script of the last episode of The After Party, and that's the one where it's a little girl's point of view, and the characters in the party, some of them are puppets and things. It's a fantastic episode, and it's so good on the page as well. Uh, the After Party 2 is coming really soon as well. So looking forward uh, to that. That's right. I forget, did you watch uh, the the Ben Stiller-produced show? Severance. You I watched watch the start of it. I still haven't finished it, and not for any bad reason. I thought it was really good. I just keep not getting back to it. Okay, okay. So. Uh, okay, just checking, just checking. <laughs> we can at least still agree on Arrival. Oh, yes. We can agree on yes. Arrival. All good. Yes, that is an excellent movie. So uh, check out our hands-on video. Andrew has that going on. And uh, yeah, curious. I'm very, very curious what third-party app developers mm. do with this. I think that's really when it's going to be exciting seeing, I don't know, games or even flighty. Like I would love to see what they would do. Yeah. Oh, and also this news actually is just breaking as we are recording, but there's actually going to be a travel mode for Apple vision pro. That was, this was uncovered in the SDK. So when you're on a plane, you're going to have an in-flight uh, experience that will kind of be unique to that. And so you actually will have to enable travel mode Use it on an airplane. Certain features will be changed, like awareness features might be disabled, which totally makes sense. You know, if you were in VR around your house, someone sits ne down next to you on the sofa, you want them to be able to kind of break through that VR experience and talk to you. Well, some of those awareness features will be turned off on the plane, which kind of makes sense if the drink cart comes by like every five seconds or someone like walks to the bathroom past you in the aisle. It won't disrupt your experience. Uh, but excuse me, a steward or a stewardess comes up saying, uh, you know, basically crash positions everybody. And you're going, no, 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 Ted Lasso. No, no you, mm. <laughs> this, this is a spatial computing experience. Yes. This is like real life. <laughs> it's shaking around. Yeah. So anyway, uh, there's different changes for a uh, travel mode. And uh, we'll be covering that on the site as well. But I don't know. I still feel like that's going to be a weird experience on a plane. If you were in like total VR. And then, I don't know, you take it off and you're just sitting on a plane. I don't know. I was totally into the film or the TV show I was watching and uh, lost awareness of everything around me until the drinks cart came by. And it's just going to be very that, uh, I think. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, anyway, check out those links in the show notes. One other quick note on Apple Notes, and this is going to lead into the question that I have for William that I asked at the top of the show. But one of the new features in Apple Notes is this ability to link uh, text in one note to another note in Apple Notes. And this is a very common and popular practice in applications like Notion, Rome Research, this idea of like linking to other notes to kind of build this web of knowledge in your database or whatever. Bear, my favorite note-taking app, actually is adding this feature as well where you can link to other notes. And so you'll be able to do it in Apple Notes. And uh, I know Apple Notes is, is kind of like a sneaky hit app. Like there's so many features in Apple notes from, you'll be able to mark up PDFs. You can scan documents with the iPhone camera and make it a PDF right in notes. Of course, you can use the Apple pencil on iPad. You have the quick note feature. Now this whole linking notes, rich cards, you know, when you add stuff to uh, Apple notes. So they've added a lot of features and Apple notes is getting much better. I don't know if I'll be using this feature in particular, but uh, it's pretty cool. 
Yeah, I, I'm surprised that Bear didn't have it. I didn't know until you said that. That I thought Appleness was lagging behind on this, and I was glad to see it. I mean, I, I've written about it. I tried it out. It works very neatly. But I tend to group things together. Like I have a, a, a reference folder that has everything I need to know for Apple Insider, for example, mm -hmm. in one folder in there. Uh, or I have a Patreon thing. I go to the Patreon folder, and there's the uh, how to do the things you've forgotten how to do bit all laid out for me. <laughs> I could easily see a way that I could build like a contents page uh, for things and link out to particular notes. And actually, I might do that. But That's so true. far, been That's quite true. happy with Apple Notes. Yeah, yeah. So you, do you use Apple Notes as your main note-taking Yeah, I do. Actually, I kind of sidled into it from when Evernote drove me spare with all the problems it was having right. and then kept adding new features that didn't quite work instead of fixing the old ones that you needed. Uh, and I just gave up on them. I went from evangelist to loathing them. Apple Notes just seemed to change at exactly the right time and has become what yeah. I need. So, yeah, I looked at Bear briefly many, many years ago. Uh, you obviously recommend it because it's the one you use. Can you explain what's yeah. better about Bear than Apple Notes? Uh, uh, I really like just the organization. It kind of has like a tagging feature. I like the different themes. I mean, it sounds like a simple thing, but I like being able to customize the colors and how links appear. Like Apple Notes, every link being this stark yellow. Just, I don't know, not something I want to stare at for a very long time. But one of the biggest features that I use with Bear is the copy text as. And so you can have rich text in Bear, you can have markdown in Bear, or you can have HTML or whatever. And oftentimes, like I have markdown here in Bear, but I want to copy that same text, but in HTML format, and I can do that. So I can literally go select the text in the bear note. And when I right click the selected text, there's a copy as feature, and I can copy as markdown, as rich text, as HTML, all of that. And it's uh, just really useful. I do that a lot. And yes, you can have shortcuts that do that. You know, you can have it make rich text from markdown or make HTML from rich text. And shortcuts can do all of that, but I also just like being able to do that right here in the Bear app on any of my devices. And I've just kind of, I feel like search is also very, very good in Bear, and I'm able to find things I need very quickly. Also, because I've been using it for years, like everything is there. So, yeah, I don't know. I just like all that. You can set little icons for the different uh, categories or folders for your notes. And so there's a little bit of like visual customization there. I like that. Uh, I don't know. Just it feels good. It's a good feeling app. It's a subscription service, isn't it? Um, it is, but it's like what is it, like fifteen dollars no, a right. year. You know, it's like yeah, you know, it's it's pretty inexpensive when it comes to subscription subscription services, and it does have many uh, again customization options. Uh, you know, where the themes you can change things about how the editor, the font, the line height, the line width. You know, so just you know, a lot of visual organization and some. Some key features that are important to me. I like I like Bear for that. Nice icon too. It's a good app icon. But anyway, it's important. Yeah, it you is. Know? I, was, I mean, you can set. I laugh there, icons. but yes, it is. There's some really ugly icons out there, and when they're in your face on your iPhone screen, particularly all the time, it's just it, it is off-putting. I think a good icon. It makes yes. a difference. All right, before I get to to the question of the week, did you see the uh, Google Pixel videos? No, I, I know what you mean. I'm just wondering when will Google remove them for because they've done something, the iPhone, you know, the usual story. But it's, um, hang on, isn't it something like, uh, let's Google and iPhone phones be friends, but not really, that yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, friends, phone, phone friends forever right. or something like that. And but not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you don't care for it. That reminds me. You have also. I mean, this is a drama thing. I don't know if it's real life. You you have the the popular teen schoolgirl or schoolboy, and they always have a friend who's slightly more shy or something behind them. It sounds like that's what they want to suggest here. That the Google phone is the hip one, the main star of the show, yeah. and they have this also ran pet kind of thing, which is a little iPhone. Yeah. Okay fine <laughs> i saw the one like when it comes to ad campaigns like i just want to give google a little credit this is better than most like this is not terrible but it's also like you know the the pixel is talking to the iphone like i have a surprise to show you the iphone's like i don't like surprises and then the pixel phone is a pixel fold and so the Pixel phone like opens itself uh, up. That's actually like, quite disturbing, a mm. little bit. I'm, I don't, I'm not going to watch that one. No, uh, 
<laughs> it's not like it's not oh, weird okay. like that, but yeah, it's, I get it. I think I the Pixel phones weird. look great. The trouble is they use they run Android. No, one day Android will be finished and it will be all right, but it isn't there yet. I think so. I just can't swap. It's like when people compare yeah. Macs and PCs. It's like they forget that that's Windows and Mac OS, which is this enormous part of the difference. So telling me that it's one of them is 2% faster than the other. Yeah, I'm going to abandon the Mac and go off to Windows for that 2%. It's, you know, the whole usage that matters to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very good. All right, all right. All right, back to my stock app right. question from the top of the show. On iPhone, iPhone specifically, you got to use all of Apple's stock apps, notes or reminders, mail, contacts, calendars, all of that, but only one third-party app. Which one would it be, William? Well, the fact that I gave you an answer straight away suggests uh, I'm quite casual about this, but no, I, I thought about it. Even as you were saying it, I gave it a surprising amount of thought, and I've had all this time to think. It's a, it is OmniFocus on the iPhone, the to-do app. OmniFocus. It is a superb mm. piece of work, and my entire life runs through it. Uh, I'd actually be fine with that. I like uh, a lot of Apple's stock stuff. I use mail, I use notes, I use podcasts. I use Fantastical instead of calendars, but I'd be okay if I had to swap back from that. But OmniFocus, reminders instead of OmniFocus, uh, just can't cut it. So, no, OmniFocus all the way on the iPhone. But you also want to know about the Mac, don't you? Okay, well, I, I do, but I'll, I'm going to answer the iPhone one uh, yeah. first. For me, it would actually be Fantastical. Mm. I actually, I already use reminders for some things, and I think I could transition from things to reminders. And I, I do fully understand, like, OmniFocus to reminders, like, that is not a, like, compatible switch. Like, there's too much no. power in OmniFocus to try and shove that into the Reminders app. But coming from things, I could use Reminders as my only task app. And I already use Mail. Uh, I use Bear, like I said, but I could use Notes as my only Notes app. Like, I'd be okay with that. Set up a couple shortcuts for reformatting. But when it comes to calendars, I just cannot get behind the stock calendar app on iPhone. And Fantastical is so good. And, like, online meetings and scheduling especially like we use so many different shared calendars, even within my family. Like I have a calendar I share with my spouse, a calendar that's shared with my spouse, my mom and kids and mother-in-law, and then another calendar just for me, my spouse and kids. And like all that calendar management, like it is very important uh, to my like day-to-day -day life. And so I would actually say fantastic. Uh, I like what, I, re I mean, I use Fantastic. I like it very much. Um, I like especially things like just setting up Zoom meetings and stuff with a button on it. But when I first got my MacBook Pro 14-inch one and I had the Mac Mini already, I tried to arrange a, a Zoom meeting with Fantastical's incredibly quick way of doing it. And it basically said, no, Zoom will only connect to mm. one instance of Fantastical. So I had to choose the Mac Mini mm. or the MacBook Pro. And weirdly, that's actually stops me using the feature on either. And I know that's a Zoom issue, not a Fantastical one, but it takes out a potentially really good yeah. feature. So how do you cope with it. your MacBooks and your Mac Studio? And well, I I don't do the like scheduling features of Fantastical, but I create app passwords for every uh -huh. device and then I log in. Yeah, same here. Uh, but it's not enough yeah. for this one. Job. I would like to say, actually, by the way, I, I kind of let slip what you're saying about Things. I think Things is an amazingly powerful app. I think it's oh, the yeah. best name oh, yeah. for a task manager ever. Um, and it looks utterly gorgeous. Uh, and just as a couple of features that must be really difficult to do. There's like uh, OmniFocus has the, the review thing. It makes you check off every task. <laughs> Every week, yeah. every month, whatever you decide. But you can't go more than a year without looking at a task. And with things, it feels like you have to do so much of the maintenance of yeah. what have I looked at, what have I not, that um, it just it's like one line on the list of features, but it makes such a difference. And that's what makes me think, if I were a things user, reminders would be easy enough to switch to. Oh, yeah. But as an OmniFocus yeah. one. I totally get it. No. Now on the Mac, let's say you have OmniFocus on your phone, on your Mac, what would be your choice? Yes. It would be OmniFocus <laughs> again. I figured. Um, I figured. Sorry, but it would. Yeah, I really thought about it too. I mean, there are things I love. I love Pixelmator Pro, but that wasn't kind of on your list. There isn't an Apple equivalent of that. Yeah, so yeah. I, I oh, presume yeah. I'd be allowed to keep that. Uh, 
yeah, fantastic are the same thing. I like it very much. But for life support dependency, it's OmniFocus. I mean, the one I would regret not being allowed to mm. use would be Omni Outliner, except, right. hang on, there's no equivalent. <laughs> so Omni- you're good. Oh, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm good. good. Let's do this. You're good there. Yes, that's for it. For me, <laughs> it would be Bear on the Mac. But not on the iPhone. No, because I actually use bear as such an integral part of my workflow on mac especially my podcasting workflows and dealing with show notes and things like that that it would be enough of a friction where i actually have found this menu bar utility where i can see my calendar in the menu bar just using the built-in calendars and this little widget and that's really all i need to do on the mac as strange as that sounds i actually typically add events from my phone or i'm like like accepting meeting invites which is easy enough I don't need Fantastical just to do that. And so I would actually be okay with the stock calendar app on Mac with that little utility if I could have it. But Bear on the Mac is really what I need for my my workflows. And if I ever write something at length, I actually do my writing in Bear rather than in anything else. Like I don't use AI Writer or anything. So I don't like do that in pages either. Like I do it all in Bear. So I would do Bear on the Mac. I take it the subscription covers both, doesn't it? Bear. It does. Bear everywhere. Here, bear and everywhere. That's the phrase that just popped into my head. I can only apologize. So good. (laughs) So good. And on that note, thanks for tuning in, everyone. And let us know, uh, what are you looking forward to in uh, Vision OS? What app do you want? What what third-party app do you hope comes to the Vision, Apple Vision Pro? And, of course, you can support this show, Apple Insider, at patreon.com slash appleinsider or directly in Apple Podcasts to get an ad-free version and early access. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.